0: she's a casual viewer of the show and she's like that music (laughs) at the beginning of the last I was like I know right
1: I mean it was obviously completely unexpected it was you know, so exciting when the the, uh, literally after the finale all all of a sudden online these things started popping up and on Twitter all these amazing and wonderful uh, tweets were coming in and I was uh, it, was, it was very
0: exciting. It was really humbling. It was so great. Ladies and gentlemen, we're speaking to the man responsible for that tune that's been stuck in your head for the past five, five and a half, <laughs> six years, Mr. Ramin Javadi.
2: Welcome. Welcome to our humble show.
0: Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for your music gracing our humble show for these past years. It's nice to talk to the man behind the strings. <laughs> well, the
2: strings, the percussion, the piano, everything, it seems. Is there any instrument you won't touch? Uh,
1: you know, it's a good question. Not really. I mean, every season we always joke and we go, okay, so what, you know, what instrument haven't we used yet? Like I remember was it, but when? when do the... The fence, when they did introduce, we would like, we said, what about the tuba? So I figured out (laughs) a way to play their theme on the tuba. And and so there's always some new instrument that we come up with. and, uh, And this year, obviously the big, the big new instrument was the piano, which, which, uh, was such a big surprise. But, uh, yeah, it seems to be ever expanding. That's what's, but that's what I love about the show. It's, it's so fantasy based that uh, that there is there seems to be no limits to really what what can be done in terms of instruments and styles and you know and I just love mixing it all together and it's been great I, I fun I want to say
2: I want to say the light of this light of the 7 track from season six's finale has been in my head since I first heard it several Sundays ago but actually it's also partly due to because I've just actually had it on repeat on my computer all the time <laughs> oh, since fantastic. then yeah I I'm probably responsible for about a 100 uh to 500 of the 3.4 million views on youtube of this light of the seven it was
1: is that where it's at now oh my god that's incredible
2: yeah well well, just on youtube of course spotify itunes separate
1: obviously but
2: uh yeah
0: what happened on spotify viral where a a piano track from a television series made number one
1: (laughs) right yeah when somebody told me that i had to actually had to look it up i i did i couldn't believe it yeah it's just incredible and also, by the way, such a—it's ten minutes long. It's—we're not talking about like a three-minute right. single, right. you know, short right. piece. It's ten minutes long.
2: <laughs> How cool! I—I'm just waiting for like the club dance remix version and the the all the extra like remix versions uh, to
0: come out as well that people will do <laughs> the,
1: the metal version. I think we need a metal version, right? That's oh, always we
0: need, oh, absolutely. Please. We need a metal version for the <laughs> longest time. We we use the rock and roll version of the the opening theme song for Game of Thrones, and that was that was a special thing.
1: It was great. That was one of the first ones I heard when, when back in season one, when like a cup, it was literally like, I think I want to say two days after the episode aired, when uh, David and Dan sent me a link uh, with, with that, cover it. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. It was really, really well done.
2: And uh, I sure, I mean, I'm sure that that was like very like flattering. It was really great to like see what fans takes on the music are and see how involved people get as well. Um, I think people are already clamoring for, you know, wanting, wanting to know if sheet music will be released for Light of the Seven and for all your work and, and how they can continue to incorporate like I spend hours on YouTube looking at some of these, you know, fan covers and stuff as well as the music itself. And it's, it's like a really cool community that's built up around your work and about like the audio component of the show which has always been i think like masterful
1: oh thank you yeah i I think it's i think that's that's where the internet it can be so powerful where people around the world uh can be creative and and come up with with their own cover versions and on different instruments yet again and and uh and and just record themselves and play it and then it's just instant how quick it can just yeah be on the internet and on YouTube and everybody can see it. It's uh, it's wonderful.
3: Most of the feedback that we've gotten this season, I think something that's been a highlight for me is how many people have been talking about the score and talking about how that has enhanced certain scenes um, more so than almost ever before, which I think is really cool. And I think just continues to add depth to something that we already really love. And a lot of the questions, I don't know if we want to jump right out of the gate with this, but the piano featured in episode 10 and how that is such a change from what you've done in the past with the scoring and why that decision was made and, and how that's been different from anything else you've done with Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, what, what I love about Game of Thrones is obviously that you know every season there's a new surprise and you know we never know what's going to happen with the characters and who's going to get killed off and, and what's happening with the plot. And what I loved about this season was that, you know, not only did we have lots of twists and surprises as with there, like with every season, but on top of that, we were able to actually throw a little surprise in with the score, which got me really excited. Because yes, we used piano for the first time ever in the show. Because even though that we have so many different instruments, the piano just has never been part of the language of the score. And so when the piano came up, it, it definitely it took a little bit to settle. And and I remember when we started the season, uh, David and Dan. I hadn't even seen episode 10 yet. They were still working on it. And I said, look, I mean, we just want to tell you ahead of time, there's this great scene coming up. It's really long. There's hardly any dialogue. And, uh, you know, we want it to be different. And um, and um then I also mentioned that uh, Miguel, uh, the director, I-, I believe actually he might have been the first one to say, you know, what about piano? Like, let's cool. just try something different. So it it came up in the discussion before I even had written anything. And then, then I saw the scene and then I started writing it. And we definitely you know, thought about it for a while and we even thought like, well, this could also be harp or it could be on bells, you know, different instruments that we have used throughout the score and in the show. But we always came back to the piano and uh, and then finally we just said, look, it just has to be the piano. It's just different. Nothing sounds like it and uh this like it's just this haunting the decay and, and the attack of the piano. It's just so different. There's nothing like it. So so I wrote this piece and and uh and then we just all said, "Yeah, piano, piano, it is." <laughs> and it definitely took people by surprise. But I'm glad that it took people by positive surprise that the reaction was so positive because people was like, "Wait, where's, what's this?" What's... But it really gets your attention. And and again, there's hardly any dialogue, and so it's you really you can focus in on it. And it's the fact that the scene is so long, I had a chance to just really expand upon it. And then and then of course, an organ we have as well in there, which we had used organ before uh, last season with Circe but it was sort of in the background it was never as dominant as it is here um so then so we bring the organ in we have the, the I'm using two choir boys, the, these voices in there and then the, the actual orchestra the strings they don't they don't even start playing until the very very end of the piece and then of course the cello which has been so much used in the show as well so it's like all these instruments come in one by one and I could slowly build this piece to you know this big climax that, you know, you, you, as you watch the scene, you slowly realize, wait, wait, no, I, wait, this is what's happening. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> so it was it was a feast for me. So I'm, I was very, very excited when I first, I mean, my jaw dropped when I saw the scene. I thought it was just so beautiful.
0: The Light of the Seven has been one of the largest takeaways of season six. Mm-hmm. A track from Game of Thrones has been one of the largest takeaways from Absolutely. their most successful season. That is so cool.
2: The layering of the piece as people are getting, as Cersei and as the High Sparrow are getting dressed you know, as well, like they're putting on their layers and the music is building. Yeah. And, and it, I think haunting is definitely the right word to describe it. It's almost as though there is a piano in their chamber with them, just sadly, you know, kind of moving towards it really felt like fate, uh, growing. And, and I think it was all for the build and, and how it was shot. It's really just kind of impressive. The show continues to impress me on, on all fronts. And I think that's probably true for, for everyone.
1: And another thing that we also had discussed is that the, Because also musically, the, it was a completely new theme, like that we had never heard before. And, and that was also, (laughs) that, you know, that was also something we had discussed. Like, you know, this has to be a new piece of music. Like we can't play the Lannister theme. We can't play uh, the Sparrow theme. Like let's just have it be sort of in neutral. So it doesn't even tip you in any direction and you just slowly figure things out. And, um, what I did do is I did plant. The main title theme in there twice, though. I just thought I, w- I do want some kind of overall connection to the score because, you know, with the piano, it, it was so new that I thought I definitely want to put the main title in there. So it's, it plays in there twice, and then kind of quickly goes away from it again. But it was just kind of fun to put that in.
3: I love that. Part of
0: the success and suspense of the show is the uncertain nature something like The Red Wedding. I'm thinking of this the scene that we're talking about, the build-up to what happened. I think we all had ideas moving into the episode, but no one was quite sure. Mm-hmm. And you're basically the guy at the reins that's tasked with, you have to create that sort of neutral music piece that's telling us without telling us what's about to happen. I, that, that is so much pressure. And <laughs> it must be really cool to see it come out so successfully. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, that that's where, where music can be so dramatically powerful because you can really, you can either lead the audience by playing it a certain way that you want the audience to feel a certain direction, or you can also mislead them and playing against exactly against it, and then therefore mislead the audience. So that's where music, without any words, can can have so much power. And that's been, especially in a show like this, has been really really fun to do
2: nobody's misleading an audience on game of thrones surely <laughs> <laughs> it's very straightforward john snow and his parentage and his his life coming back to life uh never <laughs>
0: never never would be be misdirected by music or otherwise our listeners and the readers and watchers are are curious of your process like what does what it what does a day of work look like for you it's got to be different working on a television series like game of thrones that you've been able to develop themes and a relationship with these characters personally but also professionally
1: yeah it's it's been since day one has been really great on on the show and and david and dan have been um have been so great to collaborate with because obviously I, i heavily rely on their input and and their guidance of where things are going so the uh as an example, I always like to use, for example, Daenerys' theme when we when I started writing the show and in episode one and two. And I said, "Yeah, we need a theme for Daenerys." So I wrote something, and and uh, and then we listened to it. And then I said, "Well, Ramin, but you have to be aware because I also have to add that I have not read the books, uh, so I'm 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 just." Uh,
3: <laughs> I don't know if we can have you on the show anymore. I'm, yeah. I apologize. <laughs> okay. Bye, Ramin. Thank just you. For having me. <laughs> Thank you. Really great to have you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I will. I
1: will, I will read them one day, but I am. Um, um when I was, I was aware of the books, but when I was brought onto the show, it was like, I was focusing on writing the music, then like going back and actually saying, I'm hey, going read the sure. book. So, so I, uh I just either read the script or look, look, you know, look at the footage in front of me. And, and again, listen to David and Dan and say like, no, this is what we're doing. This is what we've planned. But so with Danny, they said, well, look, you know, at the end of the season, she's going to become very powerful. So we need to make sure that this theme can become very powerful. So it's, very interesting how over the course of 10 episodes you can plan something very early on and then just develop it in something bigger and bigger and and it's amazing that you can have instead of like with a movie where you have only two hours you can have 10 hours in one season and then obviously in several seasons over you can push further and further and further so with uh all of these characters it's been really great to just
0: develop these themes it sounds like you you love the work
1: oh it's it's been incredible yeah i mean the uh so every season we uh we we get together we watch the uh we watch all the episodes um and it's what's called a spotting session so we sit down and we literally watch the show from beginning to end and then um just discuss the the different scenes where music should even start and stop and then creatively what the music should do dramatically what it should do and and again you know misleading the audience or leading the audience and all all these things we we discuss together and then i go and sit down and, and write it all and then I meet with David and Dan again and play it to them and then we tweak things and so it's this ongoing process as we go through the season.
3: This is a question from Flayed Potatoes on Watchers on the Wall who wrote in and asked if the process for writing was different for season six because there was so much secrecy surrounding a lot of things that we weren't going to get, that we usually get in the books that we were now going to get in the show and you kind of talk about misdirection a little bit. I don't know if there was any difference in that, knowing that the audience was going to be more in the dark in season six than normal, or if things were just mostly the same.
1: I think in that aspect, it's been mostly the same. I mean, the certain things we could just, like for example, this season I had I had written a new um, a, a Jon Snow theme, which we just didn't use until season, uh, sorry, see, in episode three when, when he's alive and we see him again and that's when the first time we use his new theme so we were just very careful with not playing any new music or anything that could trigger anything of like wait what's this theme and who does it belong to and all this so we just always waited until it it actually was revealed visually as well Mm -hmm. i guess the one big difference i want to say this season was that i felt we had probably more music than we've ever had before because i feel there were just a lot of big scenes and epic scenes very early on already. Uh, many times in, in the other seasons, it's been the buildup had been always towards like hard home or the Wildlings attack, and then we had these big uh, scenes towards episode nine and ten. But I felt like this season we had it very early on already. I mean, there was the the, the burning hut with, with the Daenerys and the Hodor scene. That was again musically speaking, that was a a ten minute the 12 minute
0: piece of music and that was episode 5 mm-hmm. and it was basically hard home part 2 right in the middle yeah, of that exactly.
3: when i think about when sansa and theon are running through the woods like in the very beginning of the whole season oh yeah mm-hmm. um, that was another moment that stood out for me musically so
1: right yeah so it was it was great that we just had a lot of of these big moments already very early on and i think that resulted also in that we had unusually more music in
0: early episodes already than, than normal. I remember sitting in an IMAX screening of Watchers on the Wall, and I think the track is Let's Kill Some Crows, clicks in and the, the camera moves overhead and sort of moves over the wall and down to the action that's in front. And you, you've got... A mixture of all these new instruments that you haven't yet heard in Game of Thrones, but they're playing familiar themes and the, the scales are similar and it's all playing within the same structure. And I, I can't really describe what exactly hit me in that moment, but I knew that the show was sort of halfway through and uh, we had so much more left, but just this just this ridiculous confidence in what was yet to come. <laughs> and I feel like musically you've, I don't want to say one up yourself, but you've continued to increase the epicness, the scale of, of which the show operates on in which the story does it
1: has definitely been um you could see it this season just because of the you know i'm obviously i'm very i'm guided by the story purely i'm you know i'm the one that's just allowed to paint more of what's in front of me so the story and then obviously also the visuals i'm, I'm just supporting the drama of that so this season it was proof of that is again that how much the, the story has expanded and like the battle of the bastards that that's some of the most epic battle that have you know they have Ever seen <laughs> yeah. so like musically, I <laughs> just, have to make just, sure violent, this is,
0: just pure violence. Oh,
1: it's just incredible! And, and I love the ups and downs between, yeah, the violence and then the emotion and the you know, the, the sacrifice and the, the, the heroism. And I mean, it was all in there and it just kind of beautifully interweaved into, into, into you know, from one to another. So I just had to, you know, I just tried my best to with music to just underline that. And 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 but it's just there's such a scope to the story now. And uh, so it's yeah, this with the score, I've been able to just. Really open it up,
0: and in that same episode, you're able to do another descending when the dragon decided to riot its <laughs> fire, right?
1: And <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the signature.
0: It's a good touch. The,
1: yeah, when <laughs> when that word get drakari is gonna get said, then it has to musically. That has to. That's, yeah, that's a must-have now,
0: right? When I was watching that episode for the first time, I knew what was coming because of that moment. I was like, okay, here we go. But <laughs> well, That was
2: a case of the music being generous, including a sin. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> <Right>? yeah. <laughs> No, but it's, it's it's kind of, it's really special truly to notice, like to be watching an episode and you start hearing like the Reigns of Castamere playing and you're like, you no longer feel certain or confident in anything in life and you're like, what's going <laughs> on? Wait, wait a minute! You know, and just kind of heightens the, like we've known to expect it, like we know the cues, we know the, the reaction, you know, like it, it's just, it, it it helps d- draw us in even further and make us feel even more vulnerable, I think. <laughs> when we can recognize it. So it's just it's really amazing. The music is, is is obviously very great. It's it's so hard to like talk about like, oh man, this is this is why we find it amazing, why it produces this emotion in us, but it absolutely one hundred percent does. Yeah, it's a huge piece of it.
1: Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's wonderful to hear, yeah. So great! No, I'm 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 so happy to be part of the show. I mean, it's it's I love that because there is so many different characters, there's so many different storylines, there's so many different locations. Musically, it is you can be really creative.
2: How do you get involved uh, with
1: doing Thrones? Like from the from the start? Um, They they called me up. I think they were interested in working with me, and they they called me up and showed me the first two episodes, which I you know obviously my jaw dropped, and I thought, wow, this is amazing.
2: Something new something
1: different mm-hmm. yeah and it was just it just looked incredible and you could just see where this was all going and then yeah and so we we met I met with David Dan and Carolyn and we sat in a room together and we just started brainstorming of how to even tackle this massive story with a thousand characters and a thousand plots and you know how can we even sort of make sense out of all of this and and we just hit it off we just were on the same page immediately and and had great ideas and like I said earlier the the guys are just they're really they're really great in, in, in guiding me and helping me with with ideas and just they, they have a wonderful vision an overall vision of what they want to do with the show and and that obviously has a huge impact on what i write and how i write it and so it's it's a it's been an amazing collaboration it's, it's I just every time i'm in the room with them it's just it's just super creative it's amazing
3: have you ever brought an idea or an instrument or anything like that to the table and had it been completely shot down?
1: Uh, probably. I mean, let me think if I
0: can <laughs> think of one. Harmonica,
3: <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't know.
1: You know, what's great too is when you have a great relationship and when you, you know, when you try to create something new and something different, I think it's also important to make mistakes. So, it, what's nice is, you know, that especially now in season six when we're really, we've worked together now for years and it's to not be afraid of making a mistake. So sometimes, yes, absolutely. I'll I'll come up with something and then I either get the thumbs up and they go, This is great. Or sometimes they go, um, well that's a show at this, you know, maybe like maybe for, you know, season eight or something else. Or maybe not for this show. You know, that definitely we've had some sometimes things where I just pushed it too far and then we just kind of then we rework it or something. But that's I that's again that's that's what makes it fun
0: too like it's it's okay to make mistakes mm.
3: mm-hmm.
0: What was behind the decision for including the uh the ticking sounds when the white walkers come around?
1: Well yeah that idea was kind of the i mean what it actually is it's um it's a col- it's called coleno. it's when the the orchestra turns their their bows around and hits the strings with the back of the bow so it's the wooden part that they click wow. so it's kind of the idea is it's like the it's like skeletons clicking right. And I also, because of the whole ice thing, so I also tried to come up, because obviously, you know, they're so powerful and it, it's horror and this, but I also tried to come up with sounds that are not always low and bassy, and but something that's a bit more, just that cuts through a bit also with the wind and everything. And so I thought this clicking skeleton sound could be really cool. But the way it's played, that it's just this constant... It's it's kind of the you know like it's just just a force coming that you can just it's slowly suspenseful. yeah it creeps up and it creeps up and you just hear this ting 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 and you know oh here, here it comes here it comes here it comes so that was yeah that was the thought behind that
0: that's very cool. There's a
2: question here from Feranian. Uh, from Watchers on the Wall post, And this is kind of interesting. I, I mentioned the Reigns of Casimir before. We're all very familiar. Also, the other songs, you know, songs that have been mentioned at least in the books, in the source material, uh, Bear and the Maiden Fair, The Dornishman's Wife. Uh, the question is, um, did, did you ever receive any direction as far as how those, uh, musical pieces should go? And and like, to what extent w- did George R. R. Martin offer any insight? Was it mostly, you know, was it David and Dan? How did that sort of work with those particular numbers?
1: No, it was, it was all David and Dan. I mean, Reigns of Castamere, I actually wrote that after season one, um, because usually I don't come back to the show once, you know, they finish shooting. And then when they go into post-production, mm-hmm. that's when I come back in and start writing. Reigns of Castamere, they actually called me up while they were shooting. And I said, hey, I mean, we have this. This theme that will become a you know will play a big role down the road, and we want you to think about <laughs> it now and start. nudge,
2: nudge. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: And and um, you know, it's so obviously yeah. They were they, I mean, they told me about the whole red wedding and everything. So he said eventually this is where it has to end up. So it needs to be a beautiful melody, but also a haunting melody. And then this is what we're going to do with it and everything. So so I I wrote it just based on the lyrics. There, you know, I didn't have any visuals or anything, so we just wrote. I, I wrote a piece and I played it to them. And then, what was fun is I—I'm I, pretty sure the first time you hear it is actually in season two, when uh, Tyrion walks into a room and and he's whistling the melody.
0: Yeah. So that was kind of the first mm-hmm. time. That's when he goes to the small council and he's whistling. Yes, yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah, so he whistles the tune. So, yeah, so it was based on the conversation like that. And that's how I wrote it. And then we set it up like this. So by the time you get to the Red Wedding, you go, uh-oh. So, oh you know, you recognize the Lannister theme. Um, and, and same with the other songs too. That's, it's just, they would say like the, the, uh, Baron and the Maiden Fair. They just said, you know, this is like a, this is more of like a, a common, party bar song you know so this needs to be more of like you know that this kind of feel so they kind of talked me through of what they were expecting to to make out of this these pieces it was it was interesting it's you know it's a different approach to write something to existing lyrics so the rhythm is sort of i I had to figure out the rhythm and make it work and yeah it's it, it was sort of
0: fit in the same world that you've created already with the rest of the music as well exactly that too exactly correct yeah
1: sort of
2: spelling off of that did you did you ever receive feedback from George have you met George R. Martin
1: I've met him several times yeah I think he's he's very fond of the score and, and we've I've met him at events here and there and when we've chatted a little bit here and there I think, yeah, I think I mean, clearly I think he's unbelievable and you know he's the one that created this, <laughs> yeah, this world right. We can we can all be thankful for that you know uh, I still can't believe how how he came up with this complex and unbelievable story. I mean, it's it's just, mm-hmm. you know, as you watch on, it's like it all kind of comes together and it all makes sense. So there's like this grand yes. plan for everything. And that's what's so genius.
3: Talking about the characters a little bit, is there a specific character or family house theme that you particularly enjoy writing with or working with more so than others?
1: Um, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I kind of, I try to be kind of neutral and, and the, uh, And I want to make sure that I like it all and that I all treat them kind of equally. (laughs) Love
3: all your children the same. Exactly. That's exactly right. (laughs) So the
1: the beauty is that there's, there's usually a pretty good balance of, of, um, of, you know, there's, we are with Daenerys and then we're with the Starks and then we're with the Lannisters. I mean, sure, you know, thinking about, you know, Daenerys has had a lot of these big epic scenes because, you know, she also just the dragons, just the unsullied, like her power just has been growing and growing and the dragons are growing. And so therefore she's had quite a big, uh, quite a few big epic scenes, but I I try to keep it equal as much as I can.
0: Isn't it nice how well her music and the Greyjoy theme blends together in the Winds of Winter?
1: Yeah, that 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 took me a while to figure out because I knew I wanted to. Because you know, every year we have in the finale, I have to kind of figure out. Okay, what what? How can I reinvent this finale? How can I? What can I do different? What it needs to be something new in this? And and then I have this idea about. Well, let, we have these. Characters together. Let's figure out how to merge these themes. And uh, this year, yeah, it, it's been it's been a bit of a challenge, but it was it's great how it worked out. We have we have the Greyjoy theme, we have Daenerys's theme, we have the dragon theme, we have the Unsullied theme. They all kind of interplay in this Winter of Winter at the end, and uh, and the main title theme as well. It's the yeah. normally it's not that I want to get too technical, but normally it plays in six eight or in in three four in, in, in three field and three feel and. This time I put it in 4-4. So that's also something we hadn't done before. So, yeah, again, just always having fun with the, the last piece.
0: I remember the soundtrack released a few days before the last episode of the finale, and I was going sort of methodically through each track and uh, trying to figure out, I was trying to guess, okay, okay, this could be in episode 10. I've heard this. This may be in episode 10. <laughs> What's happening here? And I remember listening to, I think the track is called The Tower, and I think it was like something like three-quarters of the way through the track. Goodbye, brother clicked in. And I think in that moment, I realized that my theory about Jon Snow and everyone's theory about Jon Snow was successful.
1: Maybe we shouldn't release the soundtrack. Before <laughs> I know. <then. laughs>
3: I know. Spoiler. Well, it's either that
2: or it was, or it was promising. The music, in a way, was promising an equally cool reveal. Right? right. Like, we're going to be yeah. happy
0: about this, no matter what it is. It's just interesting that you can do that at all. That these themes, over time, and that's all for muscle memory, um, are so wired in that the music, you know, it's such a large character in the series. It's really
1: awesome. You're right. I mean, this is where the music can be incredibly leading or misleading because I also tend to, if you look through the history of the soundtracks too, um, I I sometimes tend to put tracks on there that are actually not in in the show. I I like doing that too. Like, for example, uh, the track Needle, which is Aria's theme, um, only part of that is in in the show. Some of it I just wrote completely separate uh, just because I like to expand – Uh, the piece for the soundtrack so uh, some of it you hear in the end credits I believe in episode 8 but the track as it is on the soundtrack is nowhere to be heard so again this can also be misleading if somebody listens to this before the the season ends and and then the whole theory started like what could this piece be but it's simply (laughs) just a piece of music that I just liked and wanted to put on the soundtrack I like the mystery I love
0: that. (laughs) The first thing that comes to mind more recently outside of Game of Thrones that uh, I greatly enjoyed that you did some excellent work on was Duncan Jones's Warcraft. Mm. There's a huge selection of pre-existing music and uh, there's millions and millions of fans in that universe as well. And it was interesting to see sort of the evolution that you've taken certain characters from the horde and from the Alliance.
1: I mean, it definitely was a, was a challenge because yes, there was the, all that preexisting music, which also I admire greatly. I think it's incredible yep. music and it's been part of the, the history of the game and everything, but when they brought me in to to do the movie, I just I just thought, well, let's let's put my own spin on it, and because I guess that's why I got the call, and uh, and also because it was a it was a film, so it was definitely a departure from the game, and I I sort of tried to stay within the the language of the of, of the existing score, but but yeah, yet again, just kind of make it my own at the same time.
0: What was what was the moment where you you decided I want to be a composer for films because music is. As a discipline that can go in many directions, mm-hmm. but you've targeted in and uh, done a fantastic job with so many properties, whether they've been television shows or films, and you worked side by side with some incredible creators and directors and done a fantastic job to bring already fantastic works into an even grander scale.
1: I mean, it was very early on. I, I want to say maybe I was 12 or 13, something like er, early on. I I, uh, I, mean, I was. I've always done music. I started learning actually the organ, uh, funny enough with light of the seven, like the organ was actually the first <laughs> instrument that I learned when I was four. I, I started learning on the organ, not the piano. So I played that for a while. And, um, as a teenager, I, I realized that the music that I was listening to, and, and that I was just, like, just when I was writing and I'd never really even thought about that, like, Oh, I'm composing music, I, but I was just, I would make up melodies and things. But I realized that I, my tendency was, was towards instrumental music. And also the music that just supports movies, and and you know obviously Star Wars is a big one, like for everybody. But actually, I think the the one movie that triggered it for me, where I realized, wow, this is what I want to do for a living, was actually the Magnificent Seven, Elmer Bernstein's score. That's so cool. That just completely did it for me. And then I thought, this is what I want to do. And um, and so yeah, from very early on, I just set out and and really kind of focused on you know what is it that is the dramatic music. That, that supports a visual, and that has always um, uh, amazed me of what what's possible. I'm very lucky to be living my dream and just <laughs> be doing what I love. I think
3: I
0: read in a, a Reddit Ask Me Anything that you study beneath Hans Zimmer and Klaus Bedell.
1: That's correct. When I, um, I, I was born and raised in Germany, and then I went to a college in Boston at Berklee College of Music. And then by sheer luck, I... The connection was made with with Hans Hans Zimmer's studio, and I moved to Los Angeles, and then um, started working as an assistant for Klaus Badelt, and just kind of learned the craft, but also the the technology. Because what's what was completely overwhelming, and I always like to tell the story when. When I first arrived in LA and, and I walked into the studio, if they had set me down and said, all right, I mean, here you go. Just, you know, write, write us a scene. <laughs> I would have just completely failed because there's so many <laughs> buttons and faders and things that <laughs> I had no idea what to do because I
0: just,
1: they, they literally had every piece of equipment on the planet. So I just right. didn't know how any of that worked. I didn't <laughs> even know where the volume button was.
0: You're like, I just feel the music. Now I have to make it. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Got it. <laughs> because technology is a, a big part of it. And, and uh, so it was, an incredible learning experience to see how how klaus and how hans how you know just the approach to even writing music for a film and and so they've been incredible
0: mentors to me and uh and yeah so that's how i then got my start they've done some seriously incredible work i think that pirates of the caribbean the he's a pirate track from klaus padel will go down as one of the one of the most remembered themes sure but i feel like you've you've carved yourself a path that can be compared. I feel like Ramin Javadi is building his own legacy right now. And uh, (laughs) it's been going on for some time now, but I'm telling you that Game of Thrones theme song, uh, that affects a lot mm-hmm. of people. That's in a lot of people's heads. That's <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. It very... gets a
3: lot of people hype. It does.
0: They hear the end credits from across their house, and they're like, oh, sh- I better run to the, oh, is it Game of Thrones is oh. on.
3: You know, that's,
1: it's funny you say that. That was always what I set out to do. I always said the main title is what has to draw you into run into the living room and you're in the kitchen, <laughs> and you're pouring your drink, or you're getting your popcorn, and then you hear the music, and you go, oh, wait, it's starting, it's starting, and then I want you to run into the room and sit down and watch the show, so... Great. If if that's what that does to people, then my I achieve my job. That's I'm happy.
0: That's great. I think it does. Thinking about
2: that, do you, are you aware that that somebody has covered your 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 theme for Game of Thrones by just the word and the name Peter Dinklage? Have you <laughs> yes. listened to that?
1: <laughs> I do you
3: know, was that intentional? I to that it, that it intentionally. <laughs>
0: Impressing d- question. I think
2: we need to answer. <laughs> I feel like yeah. Was that by design? Did you do that perfectly so that it fits his name? You know,
1: I should just lie now and say, of course that was that's what I had planned. But I should yeah, be honest, no, no it was completely that. unintentional. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that somebody figured that out. It's uh, it's pretty clever. We played that on the show
0: something like I don't know, two and a half years ago and people to this day are still writing to us about the moment that we played that on our show. It is Peter Dinklage just clicked that much in people's heads from that, that theme song. <laughs> <That's>
2: so funny. <laughs> That's
0: great. I have a quote here from a, a friend of mine,
2: uh, Dan Granada. He said, uh, please tell Ramin that his stuff is incredible for me. He really liked uh, Pacific Rim as well as Thrones. Uh, he says, I look for his name and credits all the damn time and I root and whoop and cheer for him like we are childhood friends. Aww, uh, I, I think it's I think it's really just an example of of how your music has affected us as as both like book readers too and and how the these properties these worlds that you're able to flesh out and really illustrate uh, affect us on like a personal level and affect our emotions surely
1: yeah i love that that's uh, that's that's really great i'm I'm very happy to hear that i'm thinking of
0: composers that have done what you've done and I think specifically of John Williams who had the responsibility to make Harry Potter musical to give it a theme like you gave game of thrones a theme and that's a that's a very cool thing because the song of ice and fire very much so is a is a phenomenon and there's Mm -hmm. there's books left to be published and people will be lining up at midnight and uh these next two seasons will be highly celebrated and more people will probably watch them Mm -hmm. unlike john williams you've taken game of thrones basically 10 hours a season and you'll be taking it all the way to the very end hopefully
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely i'm i'm very excited to uh to see where where the, these next two seasons are taking us, yeah, it's uh, I have I've, I honestly have no idea where it's going, but I can't wait to find out and and uh, and the, the challenges that that or the excitement, I guess, that comes with it of you know whatever music we'll be creating for it.
2: I imagine it won't be quieter music, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <A bit laughs> right? yeah, Probably not.
1: There's, there's no returning now. There's no turning back anymore. Yeah, this is ex- ever expanding. And um,
3: we got a question from Stark on Watchers who said, "Who would you like to sit on the Iron Throne in the end?" Do you have any predictions about that? Oh,
1: boy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Again, it's like earlier with like, you know, treating all the characters the same or equal with the themes. I'm I'm not sure <laughs> if I even have, I, if I can take any preference or t- take any side. You
0: can say Sam. That's okay. No, I, actually, I don't. I, I, I
1: kind of, I really think about it neutrally, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't even be able to make any predictions because, and, and I'm sure even if I made a prediction, I'm probably completely wrong because we know that's, that, you know, that's a, ex, what George is so good at is whatever you think is going to happen is exactly not going to happen. So
3: we know because we're wrong all the time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah <so. laughs> I
0: think it'll either be Gendry or Hot Pie. <laughs> I have a theory that we, and I may be wrong about this, but I have a theory that in a future soundtrack, we will have a track called A Song of Ice and Fire maybe mm. i don't
2: know that seems mm-hmm. that seems inspired it
0: also seems a bit on the nose like
2: here here is here is the song of ice and fire right. you almost need to have like um i like
0: the title it. it's, a,
1: it's a good title though for it's sure a
0: good title yeah pretty strong mm-hmm.
1: title. i mean you know speaking of titles we are you know obviously the titles always because the soundtrack coming out before we can never you know we have to watch out with what the titles are because you no, know,
0: people can figure that out pretty quickly. Obviously, yeah. Uh, people like sorry Zach about that. Trying to
3: get there, yeah. Trying to get there. <laughs> theories confirmed yeah. by the soundtrack. I can't
0: be the only one who did that. No,
2: I think I think it's a common practice. I remember because I think it's like movie eight uh of harry potter like Al- alzheimer's film and like one of the tracks is just called like dobby's death <laughs> we're like really <laughs> wow like, really because you know that people like on it Am- because like it used to be a practice like go on amazon as soon as the soundtrack is given like a page and then look at what the track listing right. is and you tell you infer plot points it's a, it's common so i completely understand not being able to 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 say it in the title
1: i'm actually the opposite too i I don't even want to get spoiled. I, I like to actually see it as it happens. I don't even go on the internet and try to find out what what's going to happen in this plot. I, I want to be surprised. I actually like it.
0: Well, you do us a, g- a great service because we get to watch Game of Thrones for the first time after you've created music for the show. Mm-hmm. And you have to watch it without music for the first time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and also, you know, the effects are not finished and everything. So when I see it, it's definitely still, uh, it's not as polished, uh, you know, as it is when, when it's on the air. Oh,
2: I wanted to ask about that. Is the So, like to what extent is the like editing locked in? Like, is it, is it still like the same time duration that you're, that you're working with or like, how does that sort of work?
1: We do a little bit of both. Sometimes we, um, I see something very early on when it's still long or, 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 you know, just not completely finished. But most of the time, um, I get the episodes in front of me when it's already pretty much in the ballpark of what the final is going to be. And then again, we we do the spawning session, we watch it, and then I write it, and then we go from there and if there's any additional tweaks sometimes with when the special effects get finalized they they extend a the shot or shorten it, you know like those things they they sometimes remain open until the very end, but it's pretty much
0: all intact when I see it. How different is the process creating? I know that you watched the show uh, blocked in episodes beforehand, but how different is the process creating specifically? For this television show or other television shows versus creating music for a film.
1: I mean, in a way, it's it's kind of the same. I mean, I really treat all my projects the same in a sense that I, I, I try to create the language for whatever project I'm on. Meaning, you know, being that the the themes, being the the sounds, certain instruments, like I try to figure that out in the beginning, and then you kind of expand and and develop the themes and 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 you start writing. So I I treat them all the same. Obviously, the big difference with Game of Thrones is that there's. Ten episodes instead of two right. two hours or anything, so it's it's a lot longer. But what's interesting too is that I do have more time to write than on a you know in quotation a regular TV show that's week to week to week because it's it's not all it's not you know like a, a regular TV show many times has like twenty two episodes or something, but because we only have ten it is, the the schedule is more spread out and I do get a little bit more time. And so it's, it's kind of in between a, a regular TV show and a movie, uh, Game of Thrones, I would say.
0: And the video game can't be that much different, right? I know that you worked on Medal of Honor.
1: Same thing. I, I figure out my, my language and the, usually a video game can be very stretched out because the, by the time a composer gets brought on, it can, that can be very early on and, and they might only have one or two levels sort of ready. And as they're kind of programming away and developing a game, you are kind of feeding them with music so a video game can can be done over like the course of a year or a year and a half and it's it's very spread out
2: that seems really cool i i would love to see a video game be made like to be in a room where they're programming <laughs>
1: yeah i, I agree I've, I've and i've been i went to the ea office and I've, I've i've seen kind of the how they do the testing and all that it's very it's very very cool it's a great process it's you know it's very long i mean it's there's so many hours that they all put into it it's unbelievable especially also towards the end when you're just getting to a deadline and I mean that's like with any other project too, but it's just implementing all the sound effects and all of this. It's the
0: detail work is incredible. And you're basically doing the same thing. You're you're writing alongside the sound effects and the action when it comes to a scene like Hard Home or when it comes to a scene like uh the Battle on the Wall where you have a responsibility of all these musical instruments sort of clashing while their swords and shields are clashing at the same time.
1: Yeah, that's and that's a good point too, is because what's interesting is with the with these hard schedules because everything is always you know it's just always we always you know you always wish you had more time and you wish i had more time but so most of the time we're working in parallel so while i'm writing the music the sound department is creating the sound so they don't hear what i'm doing and vice versa so but but what we have been trying to do and, and many times we have been able to do is that I i would send over some of my demos to them so they can kind of see where i'm heading like with Hard home with the my clicking noises and things like that, so that yeah. we kind of don't cancel right. each other out with with sound. And that's I think this is something that the show and then also the uh, the mixer is doing incredible job of. There's moments when the music is in the foreground, and then there's mo- moments when the sound is in the foreground or music is completely out. The balance I think is just it's so important, and they do an incredible job with that of 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 how that all gets implemented. It's a very tricky show to do, and I think it's just they, they do a really, really great job.
0: Have you been working with the same crew? Because your demos have got to be something like, are you laying down on a guitar or, or piano? and You're giving them the, probably a basic version of what's to come, and then they're writing all of their stuff around that?
1: No, it's a bit more fleshed out. My demos are pretty accurate uh, because, like I said earlier, it's, everything is based on the computer. So I use samples and, and things like that. So it's pretty fleshed out, and, and percussion is in there, and I, I record. I, I can... A lot of the instruments that I use are these. Some of them are experimental instruments that I've kind of found around the world, traveling, and and so a lot of them I play myself, and uh, so I can already already record them in, and then uh, and later on we do the recording session with the orchestra and, and swap out the, the the sample strings and things like that. But the demos are pretty fleshed out, so it's 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 good to work too.
3: You're talking about these deadlines and kind of working under different timeframes with different projects and this may be a cliche question but just curious about where you draw your inspiration from or where you continue to kind of keep that creative juice flowing I guess you can say and talk a little bit about how you continue to find inspiration um, as you're working against these these types of deadlines
1: yeah no it's actually a great question because I, I guess the the deadline sometimes actually helps with the inspiration in the creative process because you just have to get it done and because i'm sure any artist will confirm this is you know if you if you say oh you have six months to do this you know it's the 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 typical artist is the procrastination process right where you go okay yeah you know i did a little bit today i'm not quite sure if this is you know, maybe I can do better and then you come back tomorrow and you change it and this and that. But if you have this strict deadline you said I have to have these amount of minutes written by then, you just <laughs> you just sit at your desk and you will not get up until it's done. And uh you know, it can be pretty brutal sometimes, but it's just that's just part of the game. And obviously the other parts of inspiration again I come back to uh, with Game of Thrones, you know, David and Dan are just they have been just by conversation and and just their guidance is, is a really huge inspiration for me and um and then for me personally it's also visuals again that's why also I why I decided to do film music because it's we're supporting visuals and and just seeing visuals like with game of thrones the the, the beautiful the, the the north the ice world and Daenerys's world you know the desert all these different colors are very influential for me of of what i write and how i write and that's that's always been a big part for me
0: david and dan have shared that a good selection of the filming this year will be done uh, toward the winter. Right. You'll have a little bit of, uh, of uh, stuff to play around with there. That's going to be so much fun. I'm sure. Yeah, I know. I can't wait. I think that we could talk to you for probably another three hours, so maybe next year we'll see. Well, We need to get you back for part two. This has been a good for talk. For sure. My
1: pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for having me and thanks for reaching out. Thank you so much, sir.
3: Yeah, thanks for, for joining us.
0: To everybody listening to the podcast right now, the song that you're hearing, well, you know, this guy made it, so... <laughs> <laughs>